I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. This segment of the show was sponsored by our friends at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger, lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet. The winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence. Grip Golf Pride. And now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors in our game, John Hughes. John earned his business degree at Appalachian State. He's been teaching the game for almost 30 years now. He's worked with everyone from beginners all the way up to tour pros. He's a PGA master professional and a top 25 instructor with our friends over at Golf Tips Magazine. He won the North Florida PGA Sections Teacher of the Year Award back in 2009. And in 2013, he won the Horton Smith Award for his dedication to education for all golfers. He's been the president of the North Florida PGA section for the last six years. He's also the head coach for Celebration High School Ladies Golf over there in Orlando. And on top of all of that, he came highly recommended by by my good friend, Charlie Fisher at Golf Pride. And if Charlie says, you got to talk to this guy, then I need to talk to this guy. And I'm excited to have John as part of the show. Hey, John, Chris here. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you, Chris. It's an honor and a pleasure, and uh, I, I think the world of Charlie as well. So, John, one of the things I always like to start off with with a new guest on the show is really talking about how you got your start in the game. What uh, what got you started? Who got you started? Who first put a golf club in your hands? Well, that that's a somewhat convoluted answer to that, but I'll try to make it brief. I'm I'm actually a soccer player by trade and played collegiately semi-professionally and professionally in the North Carolina area back in the late 70s and early 80s. And there was always a golf club at the house. My father would always encourage us to go out in the backyard and use it. But I was more concerned with playing soccer at a high level. And eventually, a knee injury caught up with me. and, And the first exposure to a lot of fun playing golf was at Appalachian State. There were a couple of guys walking down the dorm room floor one Saturday morning, and they woke me up, and I was a little bit peeved at them, opened the door and said, what are you guys doing? Why are you making so much noise? They said, hey, uh, we're going to play golf. You want to go? I said, well, why would I want to get up so early and go play golf? And one of them winked at me and said, because you can drink beer. And I said, you know what? Give me 10 minutes. I'll shower. I'll be right with you. And I was hooked <laughs> from there on out. Um, I've had similar stories along the way. When I graduated school, my, my father made sure that that I would at least get out and do something. Uh, the, the first couple of months out of school were sort of rough for me. And uh, within a little while, I had a full set of clubs in my hand. I was out practicing and playing as often as I could. And what was a hobby became a love, became a lifestyle, became a career. 30 plus years later it's it's been a really fun ride so john to that end right it sounds like it also you know your career as a as a golf professional sort of just happened organically but was was there something along the way that uh, sort of lit the fire that said you know what i, I want to teach this game. I, I want golf to be my sort of my profession my way of life what, did that happen or did it just sort of happen organically for you and just sort of naturally develop it, it, it was a little of both Chris, as a, to play any sports at a very high level, 
when you quote unquote retire or you're forced from the game, there's one of four paths you can go, uh, the front office, coaching, scouting, or you, you just step away completely. And I, I really wasn't ready to step away from anything when I couldn't play anymore. So I sort of knew playing soccer, I wanted to coach. I wanted to be sort of front office. And golf allowed me to do that. Very quickly, I played at a very high level on my own. Uh, I've got a mentor back in Raleigh, North Carolina, Jim Hamilton, who really put a lot of emphasis on the basics, the fundamentals for me, and really put golf in a perspective for me from a competitive standpoint of view. I never aspired to play competitively, but I was just thirsty for learning. And, And he would sit and talk to me and teach me things which really spurred me on to say, you know what, I think I can coach this. And as I went through the various stages of a PGA professional's career, sitting behind the counter, running tournaments, folding shirts, those kinds of things, I gravitated more towards that lesson T. I I can't count on both hands how many times I was reprimanded by the various people I worked for that, hey, you need to get back in the shop and do this, that, or the other which led to me to go full-time teaching about 20, 25 years ago, which was the best thing I ever did. It's a lot of fun every day getting up, helping other people, watching them succeed, watching them break boundaries to a certain degree. And that's what's kept me going from a front office standpoint of view. I ran golf digest schools for quite a long time as a director of instruction. And when that position was terminated, I've been working for myself ever since. So I'm sort of a one-man band, whether it's webmaster answering the phone. And if I'm not doing anything in between, I'm out on that lesson tee as often as I can. And John, when when I look at your students and the range that you teach, you go from anywhere from beginners all the way up to major tour players, which leads me to think, what's more challenging? More challenging to get a beginner and, and get them going? In the game, or is it more challenge trying to help somebody that's got the advanced skills of a tour player? Each of them have their own challenges, in my opinion. The beginner obviously has some just fundamental challenges to get up and running, to use a term loosely, to get the ball airborne, to get it flying, to realize that they can do something. Where a tour player, they're a lot more exacting. They can be a little bit more demanding on personal time because you get a call in the middle of the evening or early in the morning because they've got a a thought on their mind. They really want to hash out with you where they have an issue where a beginner may not be doing that. Although I offer it to all my clients, they can contact me almost any time they want. The, The beginner's questions are more general. The, the absolute great player, very specific. And they offer their own unique set of challenges, regardless of where they might be in their career. It's fun doing both. And I think the common theme is the great players of the world do have fun playing. It's their job, but they have fun playing. And if I can connect to what I call their currency of fun, whether it's a tour player or a beginner, we can go places. We can have them reach their potential within not necessarily a short time you have to understand what it takes to create new movements and when you put that in perspective funds the the gel that makes the common bond between that beginner and the pro you may not realize it they may not be looking like it on tv but the ones i've been around they certainly have fun playing 
So to that point, John, who are some of the tour pros that you had an opportunity to both teach and be around? Well, the, the first couple that I was able to be around was Dillard Pruitt and Michael Christie, who were both members of Green Valley Country Club in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Dillard's now a PJ Tour official. He's got his amateur status back. His brother-in-law, Scott Kaplank, would visit all the time. I'd go out and play with them quite a bit which led them to introduce me to Michael. Michael was, a, was a, an aspiring professional. He was the first person to Monday qualify for the then Nike Tour, now Corn Ferry Tour, and actually win the Monday he qualified. That was in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, I worked with Michael more with a short game. That, that was probably my biggest strength as a player. And unfortunately, Michael's no longer with us. That led to introductions to various people, like a Lucas Glover in high school helping him on and off the the contingency of players that were in that area, Jonathan Bird, Ben and Brian Duncan, to name just a couple, DJ Trahan. It, it wasn't necessarily full-time coaching with them, but definitely questions and answers, opportunities to, to go out and play with them and, and pick their brains and let them pick mine at a very early age. It's been a lot of fun that way. Recently, uh, while Charlie Reimer was trying to get back out on the senior tour, I was helping him a little bit in conjunction with his full-time coach. Um, I do a lot with many tour players now. I'm not chasing that tour player as much as I used to, but I love working with that aspiring professional, the one that's really trying to get over the hump. And I've got quite a few here in Orlando that I work with. John, I, w I want to get a few playing lessons from you tonight because you've got a lot of great stuff, either in Golf Tips Magazine, plus on your site, johnhughesgolf.com, plus on YouTube as well. And, and I want to start with, with balance in our putting setup. Talk about what can happen if we're not set up properly, if we're set up too far over our toes, too far back on our heels, and then how we can know when we're properly balanced. Great question, and balance is the common theme between all athleticism. Great footwork, great balance is what makes Michael Jordan the Michael Jordan that he is, or a Tom Brady the Tom Brady that he is. And whether you're putting, hitting a full swing shot, it's balance that allows your rhythm and tempo to be consistent as far as being up on toes or one side to the other. Putting's a little bit more personal than, say, a full swing shot. So what you're trying to do with balance in a putting stroke is ensure that a probably a little bit more weight towards the front end. It allows the stroke to work more like a pendulum, even though all strokes are arc. There's still an acceleration of bottom of that swing arc where the club's moving the fastest. And to lean a little forward in your stance, say five, ten percent extra, not a bad idea. But when you get up on your toes. This is going to create that arc more into a crazy figure eight or a reverse figure eight based on whether you're toe or heel. So the way you're going to know that you're well balanced is your lower body from the belt down is going to feel pretty darn solid when you make your practice strokes. And when you make your, your stroke in general, you won't feel weight shift going back and forth. You won't feel weight moving from toe to heel with any particular foot, right or left regardless of where you are in that stroke. Maintaining balance is going to allow you to hit that bottom of the arc more consistently so long as you're feeling that balance consistently. 
And John, you mentioned your strength being a lot in the in the short game, and and I want to get some short game tips from you because I often hear and read about tips for chipping where we're where we're being told that almost all of our weight should be on our front foot. Is that how you you teach short you know chip shots and that sort of thing? Does does the weight need to be all on our front foot? Um, and does that and if so, does it change as we get a little bit further away from the pin? I would tell you it changes as your skill level develops, in my opinion. For the beginner, I am asking beginners to put a little bit more weight towards that front side, the left side for a right-hander, the left side for, uh, I'm sorry, the right side for the left-hander. And this is just going to help create forward shaftling, a downward dissension angle of attack to the ball, just to get it up and moving and rolling. I think as your skills develop, you start altering that balance you pry you don't need a full weight shift because you're not looking for extreme distance you're looking for extreme accuracy when it comes to chipping so when you're making a huge weight shift in your chipping it's probably going to change that bottom of the swing arc again trying to anchor it a little bit more forward not a bad idea but that's also based on the lie that you have whether it's in rough, whether it's hard pan, uphill, downhill, side hill, as a general rule for a beginner, not a bad idea. But as you progress through your skill levels, being able to alter that weight based on the lie that you have and the, and the situation that you're trying to perform within, it's not necessarily the standard. So let's take that a step further. To your point, when we have a hard pan lie, and we're, you know, maybe just off the green, 10, 15, 20 feet off the green, and we're trying to hit that shot. A lot of times we do one of two things, we amateurs. We'll either chunk that shot because of the hard pan, or we scull it and it goes, you know, crazy across the green. What's, what's the approach we should have, and what's our setup look like? Where's the ball position, and what are we doing off that hard pan lie? Well, off that hard pan lie, each of those are an indication that you're trying to get the ball up in the air. So it's more about ball position. So the sole and or the bounce of your wedge can actually interact with the hard pan. Having a wedge with a little bit of bounce versus a lot of bounce is more agreeable for that particular shot. Having a little bit of weight forward isn't a bad idea with a ball position a little bit, a little bit back of center. This is going to create the proper angle of attack for the club and the sole to interact, the bounce to interact with the ground, guaranteeing that the leading edge is going to be below the equator. If you try to lift it prematurely, that's where the chunk happens. When you try to lift it as a club's entering the hitting zone, that's why you're sculling it. Just be, be aware that that club, even hard pan, has got to interact with the ground. Less bounce in the club fall a little bit back and just a slight lean forward is going to help you do that. And John, you have a very interesting drill where you drag an alignment stick through the hitting zone to help hit better, straighter shots. Talk about what that drill does. That drill is designed for the person who loves to early release the club. It's a really simple drill that you basically hold an alignment stick in your hand, place the other end behind you, and you're trying to drag it close to your feet. You're trying to prevent it from making like a like a, an elliptical arc, like a half moon or crescent outwards. That outwardness is the outside end swing that most of us swing with. Being able to drag it across you, rotating your body, 
creates not only forward shaft lean, an excessive amount. And if you've never felt forward shaft lean, it, it's eye-opening. I see a lot of eyebrows go to the forehead with that. It's also helping you create a more inside path, which is a more efficient path to store more energy to hit the ball longer. Very simple drill. Doesn't have to be done a lot. As a matter of fact, slower is the better versus fast just so you can feel how the handle is always going to lead the club head into the golf ball. John, one more before I let you go. And, and the worst part of my game is greenside bunker play. I get a lot of anxiety when the ball's in the bunker. I tend to either scull it across the green, like we just talked about with the chip shot, or hit it fat and leave it in the bunker. What is something that I and, and my listeners can do to get it out on the green more consistently? You must have been looking at my some of my recent videos, Chris. The the thing that I I really think that sand in general greenside is probably the most overtaught aspect of golf. There's a laundry list of do's and don'ts, and what most people miss is this is literally a pitch shot kind of swing with the bottom of your swing arc not meeting the ball, but actually being behind the ball somewhat based on your sand condition. A really, really simple drill, draw a line in the sand. I call it the walk the line drill. Make it about four or five feet long. Put a ball a couple of inches in front of that line, down the line to the right of that. And as the right-hander swings, the concept is make your pitch shot. Don't be concerned about all the do's and don'ts. Just make your natural pitch shot, ensuring that the club is hitting the line. That's ensuring that you have a consistent swing bottom hitting behind the ball. As you walk forward and make these divots, the the concept is, you know what, all I got to do is hit the line. I don't have to hit the ball. And when people buy into this and realize all I've got to do is make a swing, the ball comes out each and every time. And that's the priority is to get it out each and every time. As you're able to make a consistent swing bottom, being able to alter your setup a little bit, maybe open the club or close the club a little bit, is going to help you with not only direction, but distance control. John, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing on your website and on social media as well? Well, I've tried to make it real easy on me and real easy on everybody else. If you can remember, John Hughes Golf, put a .com at the end of it. That's my website. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm constantly trying to post. I'm, I'm working on a new video project that should see a tremendous amount more volume of, of video coming out in 2020 and hope to share that with you and your listeners some more in, in the coming year. Well, John, I, I look forward to having you back on the show. I hope you'll join me again sometime. You've been fantastic. And like I say, your videos and your instruction are absolutely wonderful online. So hopefully you'll come back and join us and, and update us on what's going on and anything new you're up to. Absolutely. would love to do so. And again, I appreciate the honor of being on, Chris. Do a wonderful job. I appreciate you, John. Thank you very much for your time. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Same to you. See you, John. That's John Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, johnhughesgolf.com and on uh, social media as well. Folks, check out his videos. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So, He's, he was fantastic. Well, I, I look forward to hearing all the, you know, all the other things that he's working on. If he's got a video coming out, want to hear about that and then get into some more of the things from the short game all the way back to the tee box. Because, uh, like I say, John's got some really great things out there. And I, I certainly enjoyed spending some time on his website and then checking, checking out uh, 
his videos that are available out there on YouTube as well. Again, johnhughesgolf.com. Go check him out. We'll get him back real soon.